Welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, and Pride of Detroit live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, where we have uh, just spent more than a few minutes trying to uh, salvage a stream in crisis because uh, things happen. The gremlins have not come for us in a very long time. And Ryan, the rock god, Back is the mother- at Ryan underscore POD was just suggesting we put this to the Super Mario 2 music, which is something we do only when things go completely off the rails. Yeah, the, the only real reason why my mind is even on that is because I'm sucking down a Capri Sun with Super Mario on it. So that's. Yeah, I we, we had to make a note of that before the show. Like you have a Capri Sun that you are drinking right now. It is not expired. It expires next year. But it was with the the front label was with an ad for Bowser for Super Mario World 3D on the Switch with Bowser's Fury, and that game came out in 2011, um, 2021. It, it should be titled Super Mario World Jeremy Reisman's Fury because I think that's the furious leader, the furious leader at Detroit online mad because of his internet issues. It's not his fault. Well, I'm here. I'm here. Hopefully you guys can hear me in a non disruptive robotic way. It's not that robotic. It's just kind of, it'll, it's fine. It's adequate. Sure. And I am the adequate. Go on, Jeremy. I'm going to bring some better than adequate takes with an adequate voice modulator or something. So we'll keep cleaning it up. We'll clean it up uh, at, at Detroit online for Jeremy. I'm Christopher Fett, the adequate host and adequate uncle at Christopher Fett on Twitter. I am just learned I'm an uncle over this weekend. So um, having fun with that. Congratulations. You still don't have any responsibility. I still don't No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I get, I get the easy one. I get the easy one where I just have to just swoop in every now and then people keep asking me if I want to make this, uh, this, their son into, um, into a lions fan. I've got news. Their whole family are Eagles fans. I've lost. That's probably for the best though. Maybe no, we seen, can't though. waste time here. Not, not that, not that, Uncleism is a, is wasting time. You here, want to get onto the combine. You want to get onto hand got, size. We got a jam packed show. We have to fit in a full combine recap plus an, a free agents pre- preview. Like this is going to be. I have a feeling knowing us, this is going to be a super size show. It is. It's going to go really long, and uh, I'm rushing to try to get back into work tonight. So let's get into it. Um, where do we even want to start? The combine's over. Oh, right. Hold up. My I'm. Sorry, I, I'm running the stream. So, yes, I know, Jeremy, I just screwed up the stream. Thank you. Delay, not confusion. Um, so we learned what, what have we learned from the combine? What have we learned from this as we all go home? And now everyone's suddenly rambling on about arm size, arm length and hand size and things that weren't a concern. These guys still had their same hand size. and They still had their same arm length before the combine. We saw plenty of what they did at college. But now we know these things. And all I could hear over the weekend, Jeremy, was Kenny Pickett's hand size. But you were also engrossed with uh, Malik Willis. I think both me and Ryan can now say to you, welcome. Welcome aboard. (laughs) I don't think that accurately describes how I experienced the the combine. I think I didn't learn pretty much anything about the quarterback. No, I I like that. You didn't learn anything. Um, All right. we, we, We confirmed Kenny Pickett's hands are small. 
Um, and whether that bothers you or not is, is going to continue to bother you or not based on that confirmation. You know, I, I thought Malik Willis had a fine day. Like he certainly has got a beautiful deep ball, but that also not a surprise by anyone who's watched his tape. Uh, didn't run any uh, agility drills, which is slightly disappointing and kind of wanted to see him run a 40 just for fun. Like, again, we know he's really fast. The only guy who maybe changed my opinion at all was Desmond Ritter, who did run and did run very fast and also has a cannon of an arm and was, and was fun to watch in that respect. So I don't know. Quarterbacks, I don't think anyone's opinion should have changed based on the NFL combine. So you either on the Malik Willis hype train beforehand and you are, continue to be or you weren't maybe i mean unfortunately we didn't get to see uh um any matt corral at all which is something that i think we were all looking forward to so he's you know kicking the can uh, further down because of his injury um but continues to kind of slide out of the conversation to no fault of his own and so yeah nothing nothing about this quarterback group really did anything to move the needle yeah, and I, I can really only echo the last part that Jeremy said because I think the Combine suffered from the same problem that the Senior Bowl did is it had a lack of Matt Corral. And I think that a lot of people coming into this draft season had him as maybe their best or uh, if not their best, their second best quarterback available. And we just haven't been able to see a lot of him postseason. So I, I think that we're, you know, for as good as Desmond Ritter looked, for as good as, you know, Malik Wills did um, – I, I still don't think that we've really gained any any more knowledge about this quarterback class because we're missing one of the biggest biggest uh, key parts. Yeah, and I, I it's it's going to be interesting to see because I think we had talked about this last week when it came to the stress between now that's been developed between the pro day pro days and the combine, and we'll see how much power Corral actually has for his pro day as far as like moving that needle back. Whereas on the other hand, Kenny Pickett's hand size has like jumped into the national conversation in a way, just because I don't think anyone really knows too much about Kenny Pickett. I mean, people know what he's done, but we feel like, I don't know, we do this almost every year with the hand size thing. It always seems to come up and I don't think it really changes too much. Like I think, there's guys in the NFL who fumble quite a, like Dak Prescott has pretty big hands. That doesn't help him with ball security, but it just, it seems to be something we go on to. It's, it's, it's a tricky thing, right? Because yeah. his hand size is kind of unprecedented at the, at the NFL level. There's, there's no starting quarterback right now with, with the hand size his small, but there also isn't any, like the, the, the thought is that, like you said, they, they have poor ball control. They, they fumble the ball. They the ball slips out of their hand. Unfortunately, there's no real studies that confirm that there's no like correlation between size hand and, and, you know, turnover worthy plays or anything like that. It makes sense on the surface and you play with a bigger ball in the NFL than you do in college. So all the arguments that, you know, Pitt, he plays in poor weather. So he's, used and by to the way, he never, well. never fumbled in college, never fumbled in college, Sure, but it is, it is a bigger football and it's a, it's a different, can league, he so. pick it? I, I mean, it fumbled a bunch in college. Oh, did he? I might be looking at the, I'm sorry. I just went adequate. I looked at, I was looking at oh, some yeah. reference like, stats and I think I've like, missed that. Last year was his first year where it was a little bit down, but before that he was like fumbling the ball like nine times okay. a year. Yeah. Either way. It's hard to say definitively that hand size matters, but this is just what we do when it's NFL combat. Like we latch on to one 
irregular st- statistic, irregular measurement, and we blow it out of proportion. We're going to do it again before the end of the show. I can promise yeah. you that. Well, uh, speaking of that, I might as well go right into that. Although um, real quick, as far as other people who uh, disappeared, like we didn't have actually, I'll, I'll table the wide receivers for a second because there was also a couple absences there, but Ryan um, going from hand size to arm length, all of a sudden now there's quite a bit of conversation about Aiden Hutchinson's arms that, you know, he, he, he's, he, he balled out athletically at the combine, but his arms are apparently short. And I remember hearing this last year about Panay Sewell. Didn't stop the Lions from taking Panay Sewell, but is arm length a concern for Aiden Hutchinson? It could be. I don't know. Question mark. Like, I feel like it's the same thing as Kenny Pickett. Now, I'm not, not comparing them by any means because Aiden Hutchinson's arm length wouldn't be something that's unprecedented at the next level like it would be for Kenny Pickett's hand size. But um, let's stop treating Kenny Pickett like, you know, he doesn't have a fiance who went to Princeton and is a Goldman Sachs banker. Um, he's he's in the dinosaurs, music, journey, hall of notes. He's a real person. Um, but no, Aiden Hutchinson's arm well length. well on intelligence. <laughs> like he, Aiden Hutchinson's arm length doesn't bother me so much just because, I mean, we you saw him go out there and he crushed the combine. Like he put up numbers that I, I, I don't think anybody was, was really maybe truthfully expecting out of him other than some people who were talking up his numbers. I think that there was a lot of confirmation that happened with Aiden Hutchinson's um, testing that, uh, that people, I honestly, I don't think we're really expecting, like, I think people have really talked themselves out of Hayden Hutchinson. It's, it's funny. I mean, I think this is Aiden Hutchinson was hurt by the NFL combine broadcast, right? Because he goes out, he runs a 40, the 40 is just kind of meh. It's average. It's not, it's not horrible. It's fine. Four, seven, five, the 10 great, not terrible. The 10 split is, is a little bit more good. But then behind the scenes, when no one's watching, he's running like record-breaking three cones and short shuttles, like ridiculous numbers, best of the edge class by far. And and people like people who were actually paying attention, like, oh, that dude is crazy athletic. You know, you want to throw a Raz in there? It's what nine seven or something like that. The dude's off 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 the mark, like so good right now in terms of athleticism. But yeah, it, it like you can't you can't ignore the arm size either because because there was a Chicago bears former scout that was talking like we, we did studies and arm length mattered more than speed in a lot of cases when it comes to success. And, and certainly within a defensive end, who's going to use his arms a heck of a lot against long armed offensive tackles. It matters. It needs to be part of the conversation. It, it's kind of just like, it's this, it's this whole thing where you can't ignore just because you don't like it, just because everything else is really good. You can't ignore something but you also can't let that dominate the conversation. So overall, I think Hutchinson had a fantastic combine. There are going to be people that I think ding him for those arm sizes, but he's also proven he can win without that. There, there are ways. Yeah. To win. Like, like you said, Penesul, short arms, finding ways to win with athleticism. That's, that's what Aiden Hutchinson's going to do with the next. Yeah. Game. Guys, guys usually with shorter arms, usually too, like they, they just work better with their hands a lot of times, like just kind of just well, to, to get in there and, uh, what, what, Ryan? Well, I was going to say, but that that's another concern of Aiden Hutchinson's right now is that, you know, he's coming into the league and he doesn't have this impressive rep- repertoire of pass rushing moves and, you know, working with his hands. So, I mean, that's certainly something you can be coached up on. How many, how, how many times do we see edge rushers like in post game little meetups, like, you know, showing each other, like, 
you know, different moves and things like that. So, I mean, like that's something that Aiden Hutchinson can certainly learn, but it, it is like Jeremy, like you said, it's, it's part of the discussion. It can't dominate the discussion though, because look at all the people who are still putting Hutchinson at the top of mock drafts. Right. Like yeah. if, if the arm length was such a concern, then, then they would ding him for it. But I mean, the rest of this edge class, like, I mean, the, it, it, it was ridiculous. And, and I, can, can we jump to Trayvon Walker? Because I'm, I'm curious Let's to what jump you guys to Trayvon think. Walker. Yeah. That dude, I mean, 9.9 Raz, I think just absolutely the prototype of mm-hmm. the kind in terms of body size and athleticism, he is what you want in an edge rusher. The problem is just the production's not there because he played on Georgia's defensive front. He, he played on the inside a lot. He, he dropped into coverage a lot. They didn't give him as many opportunities to rush the passer. So he's, he's unrefined there. I mean, now after the combine, we got some people talking top two edge guy. Sports Illustrated has already put him in a mock for Lions taking Walker at number two. two. Yeah. And, 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 and yeah, their, their mock I'm, has Trayvon Walker two and then Traylon Burks at 32. It, it's, it's an interesting discussion to have because it, it depends on how much you trust your coaching staff. It depends how much you trust, you know, just potential traits, athletic traits, size, how much can you coach up a guy like that? It, it's almost like the Ziggy Ansah art, you know, argument a few years ago where it's like, that dude is a freak. That dude can be everything that you want in an edge rusher, but can he do it without the experience? And, and, and to be clear, like Trayvon Walker also has value in other positions. Like the, part of the, the, I think the whole package and the allure of him is that you don't have to have him as a pure edge rusher. You can slide him inside. You can move him all around. And we know the lines are going to do that because they told us, they're going to be some three-man fronts. There's going to be some even fronts. Yeah, they're going to keep things mixed up. Around. You mentioned you mentioned he can drop into coverage and everything too. And it's it's funny because I remember for me, like Trayvon Walker, the big knock was always for me was like, all right, but he's playing on Georgia, so like right. it's like. But I, I mean, a friend of mine also made the great point. It's like. I think in the past we've always knocked some of these guys because they're playing with great teams and we kind of expect them to be insanely great in a vacuum, like say Aaron Donald was at Pitt when he played at Pitt, but or Khalil Mack when he played at Buffalo. But I don't know, but the way that talent has become more and more concentrated in college football with the best schools just un- inarguably getting the best talent, be it Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State and Clemson that it just, it takes more, it's more value. There is value in taking those guys. It isn't the knock that it used to be that you don't need to see a guy just play in a vacuum. If he confirms it for you at these kind of athletic measurements, then yeah, he, he probably is that good. And I think that's interesting to see Walker kind of slide up there to be in that conversation. I think that's, I think it's Walker moving up while at the same time Thibodeau is skipping drills and Hutchinson having the arm length uh, concerns. I think it's kind of that that mix sure. along with Edge still having what you talked about a few podcasts ago, Edge having the positional value that keeps this conversation open at number two. That Georgia defense, though, man, like <laughs> yeah, after, was, after, oh after after the way they showed out at the combine, I, this isn't this isn't hyperbole. I think that they're going to have at least four defensive players get drafted in the first round. I think so, too. Like that's that was always a thing when people during the season, people talking about can Georgia keep doing this? Like, man, they're graduating a lot of guys, but they still have a lot of talent behind them too. All right. Some fantastic talent coming out. Uh, Speaking of defensive talent, um, Jordan Davis kind of showing up. uh, Speaking of Georgia, kind of only, only the most impressive 
performance maybe I've kinda, ever seen just, at the Just kind of. But I, I mean, I don't know. Because, like, I, here, here's, here's the one thing since we're talking about position. Like, the Lions took two defensive tackles. Like, if he's there at 32, great. I don't think he's going to be there at 32 anymore. No. I'm not taking him at two either just because, again, you just drafted McNeil and Anzarike. Like, yeah, it'd be great to have another one, but you have too many needs do we go triple dipping now? No, if, on, I mean, if, DT. if we want to talk Jordan Davis, it's just for fun at this point because he's not going to be a Detroit line. It's just not going to happen. You feel confident saying that. Yeah. 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 Um, because the, I mean, the dude ran at what three forty one, and and just like put four, up seven, eight on the numbers. 40 yard dash. Yeah. It's unbelievable. What Speedy he did. Guy. It's, it's fun. And listen, the, the thing is that it matches the tape, right? Like, because you watch that dude and he moves and you're like, what? No. How, how's he going like this? Like there must be frames missing from this tape because he just teleported the to the other side of this defender. Um, and My so it, oh, it, it's, it's ridiculous. And it's, I mean, kudos to that dude. Cause he just made himself a heck of a lot of money because not when you can not only confirm that sort of stuff from your tape, but outperform those expectations too. That I mean, that's what the combine's all about is 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 confirming and maybe even going beyond expectations. And Jordan Davis is, I think he's a top 15 pick now. For defensive tackle, that's I mean, there's, there's only uh, not only defensive tackle, nose tackle, who I think has a little yeah, bit I think more we, we were talking value on like, passing downs than than they've said. Before. We're talking Aaron Donald territory as far as like he won't valuing. have that kind of impact. He won't. No, because, no, no. He's not the kind of guy. But I'm saying like yeah. Aaron, like Aaron Donald got picked high too as Lions fans are very uh, quick to remember. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that's something that kind of got glossed over too, though, was Devontae Wyatt is, he's a dude too. True. <laughs> I, I think the Lions would be just as happy to have him available at 32 if, if they could if they could have a chance at taking him. But again, Georgia defenders are going to come off the board in a hurry. Very quickly, very yeah. quickly. There's a lot more defense now because like we haven't even talked about wide receivers yet here and we kept thinking the lions 32 34 is a good position to take receiver now we're talking a lot of double dipping on defense if it's if it can be had but um i know that speaking once again of georgia george pickens uh definitely stock up from the combine chris olave whose stock has been kind of slipping after the college football season we all came out of that season thinking Olave was probably the best receiver. And then we kind of took a step back. I was like, yeah, Wilson's probably the better of the two and, and Drake London and, and Traylon Burks and all these guys stock is up, but Olave worked pretty well out there. Meanwhile, no workout for Drake London. He's still coming off. I think he's almost done coming off the knee injury, um, the ankle. Uh, ankle injury, excuse me. But yeah, he's, he didn't perform at the combine. He'll probably be at USC's pro day. So I think that gave room for Olave and Pickens to kind of move up. Yeah. I mean, it was another, it was another good performance from this wide receiver group. Unfortunately, I feel like everyone got fooled a little bit because this was the day where the, the radar gun was just a lot faster. Like when, when the official numbers came out in some <laughs> cases, yeah, I think Olave was one of them where it was just like, he ran under a four, three, according to the official time. And then it was like, it turned out to be like a four, three, seven or something like that. And still really good. And yeah. I, I I'm with you. I think I don't really understand why the Chris Olave hype died down. But I, I feel like one guy who has just been on a meteoric rise really since the season ended, it's Christian Watson, right? North Dakota state guy who balled out the senior bowl and now put up, I would say probably the best performance amongst the wide receiver group across the board at the combine. I don't know, man. I, 
you look at his production, you look at, you know, the level of play at North Dakota state. A lot of people had this guy pegged as a third round guy, fourth round guy. Every single person's mock draft had the lions grabbing a guy in the third round. Now, now there's talk about him being in the first round. I'm not sure I quite buy that yet. I'm, I'm, I'm eager to dig more into his tape, but it seems like second round is probably the latest. This guy's going to go right, Ryan. Yeah. Like at the top of the second round, like I, I, I don't see him lasting very long because <clears throat> you talk about him having just an incredible, uh, having an incredible combine. The guy is measured in at six foot four and he ran a 4.36 40. Um, and, and, and just not that, but he broad jumped 11 feet, four inches, like, I, I mean, this is like as close to like Calvin Johnson numbers that you can get um, out of a guy of, of that size. I mean, the only thing that, that he really got dinged, if you take a look at his RAS card, is that he's a little bit on the slimmer side coming in at 208 pounds. But I, I mean, I love everything there is about Christian Watson because we can talk about how he absolutely knocked the park out or knocked it out of the park when it came to every single drill that he did. But one of the things that really stood out to me about him at the combine was when he was in front of a microphone and, you know, people were asking him uh, about his mentality when it came to run blocking and, you know, North Dakota state runs the ball a bunch. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I don't care whether I'm catching 10 balls a game or I'm getting 10 good blocks a game. It was same to me in the end, like whatever I can do to help my team win. And it's like, oh, okay, well, like, this is like a Dan Campbell guy true and through. And then he follows that up when somebody asks him, did you ever think about, like, leaving North Dakota State and, like, going somewhere else where they might throw the ball a little bit more? And he's like, no, like, I knew that North Dakota State wasn't going to change what they do as a program. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, I went there to win championships. I wasn't worried about catching 100 balls a year. He's like, I, I was worried about winning a ring a year. Like, come on. I mean, like. And I mean, I'm sure someone could like crap on that because it's like, all right, but you're winning, winning a ring in FCS, but still that those guys play hard down there too. I don't know what to tell you. And I think one of the earlier questions that they asked him was like, how heavily recruited were you? And he's like, I wasn't very heavily recruited because I was a late, I was a late bloomer in terms of like his size and how he grew and everything. So yeah. 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 Um, I want to talk a little bit outside receiver. What's that? Lions want that tall outside receiver that 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 uh, red zone is great. That'd be fantastic at, at 34. Uh, let's talk a little bit about linebackers here. We've got about a few minutes left. Um, Boy Mafe, is that how I say his name? He's an edge, but yeah. Oh, you have him under linebackers here. Did I oh, get that wrong? That's, no, I messed that up earlier, but yeah, he's 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 another guy just like. What, did 10 RA. I just want to get to the 10 RA, 10 RAS. Yeah. From our friend, Kentley Platty, relative athletic score, I mean, a lot, this, a much more, a much more real statistic than intelligentics. Um, this is, I mean, this is why I almost wanted to split our shows into two because there's so like, especially on the defensive fronts, when you're talking about edge guys, when you're talking about defensive tackles, when you're talking about linebackers, so many crazy athletic guys, whether it's Boya Mafe, uh, Chad Muma put up a really good, uh, combine and a guy that I we, don't know I who that like is. Been, yeah, we, we've we've only talked about him a little bit. I, um, I know who he is just because I've been running like mock drafts on my own right. stream quite a bit. But like, and that's definitely a name. It's like, oh hey, haha, the guy from Wyoming. Yeah, but I mean, but nobody's watching. Yeah, yeah, but he's from Wyoming. It's kind of like the say that's this always the the one thing we get elucidated during draft season for the combine is like you guys. A lot of people aren't watching Wyoming football or North Dakota state football. And a lot of these we're seeing more and more from the combine, a lot of guys coming out from SCS 
FCS and from, from smaller schools in the middle of the country that just aren't on TV too much. So I think that's like the most excited. So like we've got a couple of minutes, so maybe one more name from each of you guys that kind of impressed you at the combine. Well, if, if we're going to stick with linebackers, I feel like we have to, we have to talk about, uh, De- I, I tried to practice his name and I messed it up already. I think it's Damone uh, Clark from LSU because again, workout warrior. Um, but, but may, perhaps more importantly, LSU ties, um, which Kelvin Shepard, the Lions now inside linebacker coach was a, a personnel guy while he was there. So there, there's an uh, instant connection there. He's a guy that I think is, could be available maybe at the top of the third round um, might, but given how he worked out, you might have to take him at 34. And I don't think I'd be upset with that. The Lions need linebacker help. They need young linebacker help. And, you know, if, if Kelvin Shepard is a fan, um, which I'm guessing he probably is, then he's going to know better than anyone else. If he can, if he can coach him up and if he can fit in this defense. And uh, I think he's the guy that I'm circling as a guy that we should be probably paying a little bit more attention to. Yeah. As far as linebackers go, I think that, what you're going to start to see after all of these athletic performances at the combine is that some of these guys that I think a lot of people thought were out of range for the lions might end up slipping to 32 uh, just because we talk about the positional value of an off the ball linebacker. And I mean, some teams value them, some teams don't. And uh, I mean, maybe a guy like Nicobe Dean who everybody fell in love with, is a guy who ends up being there at 32. Um, I see him already kind of being slotted there in mock drafts because of the performances that, that some of these other people have. Now, I know that this is a kind of knee-jerk reaction time, like the combine just happened and this is all fresh in our minds, so some of those workout warriors, like you mentioned, Jeremy, are going to be shooting up draft boards, but th- there can't be 50 picks in the first round, and I think like I think that's where we ended up at the end of the the combine weekend was there are going to be 50 players in the first round taken. Yeah, the, the, That's just the, not going to happen. The upside of a draft that has no clear cut number one, or even a clear club number two, three or four, like we had, like last year's draft was very clear cut. We all kind of knew who the top seven or eight who are going to be right, Jeremy. And we, we, I think we all know who the top 10 were and we were just kind of like picking straws as far as, which order they would go in. We knew three quarterbacks off the board very quickly. We knew Panay Sewell. We knew Jamar Chase. I don't, this draft is wide open, man. This sure. draft is wide, wide open. There is like consensus, maybe three. I mean, with Trayvon Walker, I don't even know, maybe a consensus four. But besides that, who knows? Who knows about any of it? I, th- I feel like we have to talk about the one guy in that, that top three that we haven't even mentioned yet as we get to the defensive backs here, Kyle Hamilton. Um, yeah. I, Another I, guy I, who has done a huge disservice by the 40-yard dash, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, ends up with a 4-5-9, um, which I, I think people were underwhelmed by and, and a little bit understandably. So it's not a bad time. Um, but in terms of all the safeties, it was actually the worst the worst time amongst the group he tied with, I think one other guy. And so that raised some, some eyebrows to some people that were already skeptical about positional value with safety, but I still maintain he's probably the safest of these top options. He, he's yeah. Still, he's going to put those to rest with Notre Dame's pro day. I think. He'll, he'll do that. His short shuttle wasn't very good either. So th- there are some questions about overall speed, but in terms of short area speed, in ter- I mean, all you have to do is turn on the dude's tape. Like he's, yeah. he's running across half the field to pick off a pass. Um, he's, he's tracking people down um, in the backfield from 30 yards deep. So it, it, it I, I guess the, the, po- the interesting thing about it to me is that like, 
there's been all this talk about he's a unicorn. There's no one that, that that's that that's built like him. There's no one as fast as him. And now there's a little bit of chink in that armor. There's like, okay, maybe he's not a unicorn. And that's enough for some people. Like, well, if he's not a unicorn, he's not worth the number two pick overall as a safety. He's, he's not that's a unicorn not and he's not as, and he's a safety. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And Although, well, I, yeah, I think it's, I, I think we still need full picture before some of these other guys get their stock up. As you say, a lot of this today is also knee jerking. So, right. A lot of questions, but that's, it, that's what comes when with you, the draft with it's this wide open at the it, end of the you, day. It's just when you pair it with some of the other hot safety names. And again, it's a good safety class. Like Daxton Hill, I thought had a pretty good combine. Some, some of the explosion scores weren't there, but he was a lot faster than Kyle Hamilton. His, his short shuttle was really good. His athleticism overall, very good. Same with Lucene. Uh, I know, I know you're a fan, Ryan, of, of Lucene and, and Jalen Petrie. Not, not nearly as good, but still pretty darn good. And and all of them got a lot of face time and all of them looked, I think, pretty good in the on-field drills. So I don't know, like I, I, I did fall a tiny bit out of love with Kyle Hamilton. I still think in terms of athleticism, there's nothing to worry about, but, but I don't know. Did you have a guy you liked amongst the safety group, particularly Ryan? Chris is telling us we have to hurry up. We, we're we're, we're, I'm we're sorry. a half hour I, in. We, we didn't even talk to... about half the wide receivers. We well, got to talk about some you, of these you guys. Wanna, you want to cram free yes. agency in here, too. We'll, we'll try I told it. you it's going to be a long show, folks. If you can't handle them, an hour and 30 show, <laughs> find another podcast. Oh, my God. So why don't why we do this? We'll take a bit of a break. We'll get to your question to Ryan and more from the Combine. And then maybe on the back half of next segment, then we'll talk about free agency. Are we good with that, Jeremy? Sure. I, mean, I can I tell you are, going, you. you are going Mel Kuyper on me. We, we cut off so many people. It felt like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I We're am not trying to get excited about this the draft, just, Chris. We need to make our, holding me back. We need to make our sponsors happy. I'm going to get yelled at if I don't run an ad. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Good God. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, um, where we are completely lost at sea. Apparently we're trying to figure out which way to even go. Cause we have a lot of free agency preview, which is what I feel like I want to sell to the people, but there's so much coming out of the combine that I feel like we should just dive right back into the combine. Where were we? We were on safeties. We were, were we on safeties? I was, yeah. I was offering Ryan to, 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 Give a point on safeties outside of Kyle Hamilton if there's someone he wanted. Oh, to stand okay, for. okay, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I feel like there's still an interesting discussion to be had about Kyle Hamilton at number two, but be, beyond him, um, you know, I, I was a little bit bummed out by Jalen Petrie not, you know, testing essentially. Like, I mean, did some stuff, but but didn't do other stuff, and um, I. The, the one name that kept on coming up though at 32, that seemed like a, like a shot in the dark was Daxton Hill, right? Yeah. Like maybe there was the opportunity that Daxton Hill would be there and there's no way that you can get a wider approval of your mock draft than posting Aiden Hutchinson at two <laughs> and Daxton Hill at 32 um, for the Absolutely. Detroit lions. But I, I mean, it was something that like getting Daxton Hill at 32 seemed like a, a home run for this team. Um, but I mean, there's an awful lot of needs to fill. And I, I think you just look at a lot of the stuff that's happening today. Like I know we're going to get into free agency stuff soon, but like 
the Lions are going to have to address an awful lot of needs with those first three picks. And, you know, there are people talking about maybe maneuvering and trading up in the draft and like, come on, man, they, they have too many needs right now and spaces are filling up. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. There's a lot of needs on the team and uh, unfortunately just not, not too much. <laughs> this is always the, the, the song and dance of the draft is like prioritizing arbitraging and just, taking what you can get where you can get it. That's why I don't, that's why I never really faulted. Like I, I know we all have opinions on Brad Holmes being aggressive, but this might be the year where if like you want to be aggressive, might be a chance to be aggressive in a few places. Just don't give away too much. Well, while we're on 32, before we get into freedoms, can we talk a little bit more about that edge class? Because I mean, we, hmm. the main debate there is at the top with, with Hutchinson, Kayvon and, and, and Trayvon Walker. If the line's, go in a different direction at two. Like Karloftis? Karloftis is, is a guy who I, I thought tested pretty darn well. Um, Jermaine Which Johnson. Which is funny because people were trying, much, but, like yeah. I, I saw a lot of people before the draft talking about Karloftis as kind of like the outside option past Thibodeau and Hutch. And everyone kind of brushed it off, but you know, it seems like it was well-founded. Like, again, not a lot of people watching Purdue tape. Right. Yeah, and, and, th- th- there are quite a few names, though, right, Jeremy? Yeah. I mean, like, even like we mentioned uh, in the last segment, Boy Mafe, right. like, th- maybe that's the kind of guy, like, those are the two extremes. And I know you said, like, Karloft has tested well, but he kind of has this reputation as being, you know, just like a pure power guy, doesn't right. really have a, you know, more of a one-trick pony in a sense, or you're risking it on super athletic guy who didn't really put it together at college, a la you know, Ezekiel Anza to keep on using that, uh, to keep on using that point of reference for Lions fans. But like, you're either betting on this, on the traits guy, or you're taking a guy that's falling down because he doesn't necessarily have the athletic traits. Um, so you're, you're, you're doing one of those two things, but I think that there's just a number of guys there. Like, right. I mean, even Drake Jackson from USC, like that's like another guy who's like, he's in, he's, he's in the pot too. And right. it, I, I, are there going to be like eight, nine edge rushers that go in the first round? I mean, th- this goes back to your point where it's like, oh, people are like, oh, David Ajabo, no chance he's going to be there. Probably, probably true. Jermaine Johnson, no way he's going to be there. Mm, probably true. Maybe not George. And then you go into Carl Aftis, you go into Mafe, Arnold Ebiketti, all those guys. Like you keep saying like, oh, they tested so well. There's no way they're going to be there. Well, at some point, there's not going to be 50 guys that go in the first round. One of these guys has a chance of sliding. I don't know who it's going to be, but if the lines did, and this is, this kind of goes back to the argument of, of people who are really in the Kyle Hamilton bank. They're like, Oh, you're going to get an edge at, at the end. You can't bank on that, but there is a chance that that argument might work out. I don't know if you want to go into the draft with that in mind. I think you want to, especially when you're talking about the second overall pick, I think you want to go with the guy you're most comfortable with going to give you the best player, uh, the best value, all that sort of stuff. I don't think you want to think too far deep into the draft because you don't know how it's going to fall into you fall into your lap, but at the same time, if they go that route, there's a chance that there's a good edge there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. The, the, the one, the one thing that I'm thinking of though, is that there are inevitably going to be, as you're mentioning guys that are falling down the board in the first round, will Brad Holmes be able to contain himself? It's a, it's a great that's, question. That's what I mean, man. Like because that aggression is going to be. Uh, hmm. We saw him. We saw him last year, right? Like we saw him squirm literally in 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 the war room on on those behind the scenes videos where he's like, "I don't want to wait for Ozurike. I want to trade up and get him." 
but he stayed patient and, and let's, let's hope that, you know, Dorsey, you know, has him strapped down at times in this draft, because <laughs> I, I think, I think there is going to be a temptation to jump up from 32, whether it's for a wide receiver, whether it's for an edge guy, whether it's for a linebacker, I, I think there's a really nice meaty class, right? Like in the middle, in the fifteens in the twenties that, that he's uh he's going to be tempted for. Yeah. What have we touched everything from the draft? I don't think we talked much on linebackers and then we kept kind of go going there and we kept coming back to we're edge good. and a few other, we'll get, we'll get, we're draft. There's still good God. what six, seven weeks before the draft. Yeah. We'll get to but, we'll get into the, the nitty gritty there, but I just wanted to but, get some of those guys out, but only eight days now until the tampering period. No, even less than that. Even eight less days than until that. The, the new year, the league, new year, the league, new year for free the agency tampering period starts on Monday. Monday. So as a programming note, we will be um, delaying our podcast next week until probably free agency itself. So we don't get bogged by a lot of the tampering period stuff. So probably look for a midweek podcast, but let's uh, lean into the preview. Let's do it. And I feel like uh, no position is bigger. We talked a little bit about wide receivers in the draft, but as our buddy Dave Burkett would say, like you expect, he expects the Lions to be major players in the receiver market, which has seen a lot of shaking up right now. Um, a lot of questions still on the receiver market for the big name splashes, which I don't know if the Lions are in to make those big name splashes, but Jeremy Ryan, uh, two questions kind of remain right now. Well, one's not really much of a question. One's a big, massive uh, meteor that struck the market in that Calvin Ridley is now suspended at least a season by the NFL for apparently gambling on football games. Um, We're not here to get into the details or the morality of that, or at least not on this podcast. Look for, look for the unnamed podcast later (laughs) as we maybe talk about that, but he is now off the board completely. And and to be clear, he wasn't a free agent. He was, he was going to be a trade target. He he was trade. He was trade bait. He was definitely some, yeah. Ryan wanted wanted or was at least considering grabbing him. Yeah, and but he, it sounds like there were actually trade uh, offers on the table potentially for him too. It sounds like a lot of teams were inquiring about it, but I think the Falcons knew what trouble was coming down the pike, and they were turning. They were to try. They weren't answering a lot of those right now because they kind of knew that uh, this trouble was coming. Meanwhile, I've had quite a few questions from my social media about you know should the Lions be going after Amari Cooper? But Amari Cooper hasn't really been. There's questions about that he might be released by the Cowboys. Right. I think ESPN yep. had that had that report out, but he's not as of Monday, the seventh officially released yet. So we can't really even begin to speculate there, but he might be available on the market. So we're, we're, and I mean, but there's other questions like Mike Williams, you expect him to be tagged Godwin coming off his injury was already a question. He's also probably getting tagged too. He's also probably getting tagged. I think that's the thing. Like, we, we came and this is why I hated talking about free agency a month ago is because you never know who's going to be available. Well, the top four guys are probably not going to be available. Devonte <laughs> Adams hasn't been tagged yet, but I can't imagine the Packers are going to let him go. No, they can't let him go. Alan, is Alan Robinson left. Is he the only one left? Yeah. Mike Williams is expected to get tagged. Chris Godwin is expected to get tagged. Yeah. Amari Cooper and, and Alan Robinson are really like the potential two big and options out if- there. And that's if Cooper right. gets released. That is right. not guaranteed that he's released no, yet. It's not guaranteed. It seems likely. But yeah, I mean, if you're talking about like number one receivers, that might be it. Like you might be out there. And if that's the case, if there's only two guys, well, guess what? Economic, basic economics. 
wide receivers are are highly wanted in this league and there's a scarcity of them. Yeah. And now you're basically after that getting a lot. Yeah. And that that's also going to drive up the, the, the value of that second of that second uh, wave of receivers too, like a DJ shark or a Juju Smith Schuster who, who will probably be available, but they're definitely not going to be those preeminent wide receivers. Like, like uh, some of these guys were talking about Ryan. Yeah, I mean, you start to get into the the depth in the class, and then that's when you start talking about the Christian Kirks of the world and the DJ Sharks of the world. Um, but it, does any of this strike you as being kind of eerily reminiscent of last year where everybody got tagged up and then everybody was kind of looking around and it was Kenny Galladay is the hottest name on the market and he gets you know paid out the wazoo. And then he catches no touchdowns. Yeah, you know, well, they have a Daniel Jones problem, right? Um, and and beyond that, it goes deeper than deeper than that. But yeah, I, to to that point, Chris, like the 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 place where I think we're all at now is, you know, you start to do the 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 shuffle with the Cowboys too, because another name was Michael Gallup, right? right. But I, I think the the Cowboys are going to prioritize bringing him back over bringing yep. Amari Cooper back, and the whole problem goes back to them spending way too much money on Ezekiel Elliott. Um, when that realistically is the guy that they wish that they could cut. Um, and I only add that so that Jeremy can run a little mini victory lap. Sure. So, I mean, I, I, let's talk about the guys who are left. Like, do you want to see the Lions go all in on Allen Robinson? Because I feel like that's to, to fit their needs. That is, that is the play to make, but are you willing to spend, I don't know, maybe 20 million a year on someone like that? That's I think probably I, not I, that I, much. My, my answer is not until they have a quarterback worth it. Like is, is if you're spending that kind of money on a receiver, you have affirmed that Jared Goff is your guy. I don't think the lions have affirmed that Jared Goff is their guy. Like not long-term. Yeah. I, I think to that point, Chris, like, I don't know how long, I don't know how long or how the lions can just keep on waiting for everything to be in place. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It kind of seems like there's this thought process of the Lions can put together their whole team and then go get the quarterback, or the Lions should get the quarterback and then they can put together the rest of the team. Which yeah, is yeah, the, of, the Tampa, the Tampa Bay model. Yeah, right. The, either the Tampa Bay model or what the Lions just did with Matthew Stafford for 12 seasons, right? Like they got the quarterback and then it was a matter of putting the team around him and and it didn't end up coming to fruition. So, I, it with the Allen Robinson thing, I think he's the only guy I would pay for because he's the only guy who I think has ever proven anything and has played with, I don't know how to say anything nice about any of the quarterbacks that he's played with. Right. So I'm not going to say anything. But are at you, all. Is he, is he going to want to come and pl- put up numbers? Sure. Sure. But then, then the fly in that ointment is if he's only played with those kind of quarterbacks, what does he think of Jared Goff? It's a fair point. I'm, I'm sure people would, would like to, to pull the Detroit card with him and, and say, well, he's going to want to play in Detroit, his hometown, blah, 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 blah. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. I don't know how much he, he values that. I, I saw on Twitter that he was, he was getting ready to, to listen to some Eminem and some people took that as a sign, but I, I, I think should not si- that, that the Lions shouldn't sign him. He, he did. He did say old Eminem, if that matters to you. Um, kind of but, makes it worse, but, but yeah. to, to, to Chris's point, at least a little bit, like, he also is going to be 29. So how much are you willing to invest this guy as a long-term potential answer when this team is competing a year or two down the road? Like, is he still going to be worth the investment that you would have to put into him today? That, that, that's a totally fair question. Um, I, I, I just don't, I don't think the lions, it sounds like they're in the market to, to get a, a guy 
Yeah. Like a, like a, yep. a dude, a dude who is going to be productive from day one, like someone they know that is going to go out there and be productive. And I, do we think that guy is Christian Kirk? He's done it in spots, but he hasn't done it consistently. Do we no. think that guy is DJ Shark because he's done it in spots, but injuries have have held him back? Like Allen Robinson seems to be like the only guy available that I mean, outside of Amari Cooper, if he gets released. Yeah, can I ask? Like, so so we sp- we sp- talked a lot about Robinson. If let's just let's play hypothetical. If Amari Cooper is released, seven year seven years of experience. Uh, can we like, you know, fourth overall pick once upon a time, can we say he's been, he hasn't really been that he's been, he hasn't blown our socks off, but he hasn't exactly been disappointing either. He's pretty darn good. He, you know, he's great, but I think, I don't know, maybe I listen to too many Cowboys people who've just kind of been like, yeah, whatever on Amari Cooper. But I mean, he would absolutely be in that territory with Robinson. He, yeah, me. no, he would. I think I think those two are probably if, if you're looking for the guy, which by by all accounts, I mean the Lions have not been secretive about it. They want they wanted that dude. They want a guy. Um, no, he's, the he's guy, the not con- a guy. He's definitely in the conversation. But you know, he was making twenty million a year with Dallas. That's too much for them. I don't know if he's going to be asking for that much less anywhere else after getting cut. So he's going to be pretty pricey. The, the thing about Mari Cooper, though, is that he's not even 28 yet. Yeah. Yeah. You like, also got youth on the side, too. Amari uh, uh, Cooper has been in the league forever. How he, he's <laughs> he, he's like my newest induction to the Patrick Peterson Hall of Fame when it comes to guys that you, you know, are uh, been playing forever, but somehow been playing been. forever. But they're still sub 29. Um, yeah. I, I Personally, I think I would prefer Cooper to Allen Robinson. It's going to be, I think he's going to be pricier. That's, that's the trick, he right? Is. Like, is, are you going to pay, I'm, I'm throwing a hypothetical. Are you going to pay 20 million a year for Murray Cooper for three, four years? Are you going to play, pay, uh, are you going to pay Allen Robinson 17 million, 16 million for, for two years? Well, I, I, I mean, Amari never tore his ACL, right? And I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah. And Allen Robinson did. So. I, with, um, I think with the Amari Cooper stuff is that it kind of fits the timeline a little bit better, right, Jeremy? Like sure. you get a guy who's a little bit younger and maybe you're looking to, to compete at that point. But I mean, he's a you know a really good football player. Take Pro Bowls for what they are. But like, I know he played for the Dallas Cowboys, but I mean, a four-time Pro Bowler, like, I mean, he's legit. A legit yeah. number, but he's he's the legit guy that they're looking for that could be the X receiver, right? Yeah. Five seasons out of seven with over a thousand yards. Yeah. He's yeah. good. Very He's good. Very good. Let's look at some other offensive options then, since we're on the topic. Is there anyone at tight end you'd want as like a compliment to TJ Hawkinson? It's tough. Tight end's not a particular p- position of strength. I don't think in, in free agency this year, there's some interesting they, like second level guys. Like, I mean, if you want to get like Zach Ertz on a veteran on a veteran contact contract, you probably he he's he's he'd probably be out there. Someone like a Moali Cox, maybe Robert Tunyon, but it's a, it's going to be a matter of what you are going to want to spend, right? And, and how and how much you're going to be how much you're going to be spending basically for a TE two, unless Hawkinson's fallen off the table for you. And that's the thing. Like, I think we need to talk about need here because. We, we know they like their tight ends. We, we know that, you know, they, they invested a lot or they invested kind of a lot plan wise, maybe not money wise in, in Josh, um, Josh Hill last year and it didn't work out. So the, 
you know, theoretically they might be searching for a guy like that, but they also have a decision on Hawkinson to make in the next couple months, whether they want to exercise his fifth year option. And I, I think it's probably a no brainer decision, but to extend him after that is where it gets a little more tricky because market's right. going to be, it's going to cost them a lot. Um, and so draft is, is a route they could go free agency. I don't, I don't see anything particularly like you, you could take a shot on guys that the big names like OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, who, who, who haven't quite lived up to their draft billings, but I don't know. I don't know how much you want to spend on this position considering you have some bigger needs elsewhere. I mean, you do have bigger needs elsewhere, but I think one of the things that we have to cover is the Cleveland Browns are going to franchise tag David Joku. Right. I, he's he's their tight end too. Like what? I mean, are the Browns insane, or are they seeing something that the rest of us aren't quite seeing? Uh, yes, on right yes. In. Well, yes, on both counts. Just it's a matter of what they're seeing. Is it sane or not? Sure. That's just. But I mean, like I I don't know. I could kind of see that. Like I guess I can maybe see the Bengals doing the same with CJ Uzoma. Well, they just tagged Jesse Bates, so. Oh, oh, they did. I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. No, you're good. We're doing it. Th- we're doing this live. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, I don't know. Yeah, like, it's, I know. To I me think... is not an exciting position to, to look at with the free agency. And maybe, maybe that's why, like you said, maybe that's what the Browns are foreseeing. And they're just like, no, nah. I think we've also hit this age post the post, like what I call the post Jimmy Graham age. Where it's like, there's not a lot of tight ends out there that are really like there's a there's a couple tight ends that are still rocking your world, but there's not like like you know outside of Kittle and a few other guys, there's not a lot of guys that can really be had that are just going to do what the top tight ends of the world are going right. to be doing. Well, that's not what they're looking for though, right? They're, yeah. they're probably looking for a, a predominantly run heavy guy, and they might they might be able to fa- find a guy like that, a, a diamond in the rough. But I just I wouldn't expect them to spend heavy on this position. I guess is what I'm right expecting. You all, I'm sure my next question to Jeremy is going to be running backs. Jeremy's out already. I know that. Well, no, I mean, there's no need, right? If, yeah. if, if, if you're going to add a running back, you do it late in the draft. There's, there's, there's really, they have plenty of guys. Like if you look at the guys that they have signed right now, they got like f- five of them. They got four of them. Swift Williams, Reynolds, Jamar Jefferson. They can bring back Godwin Iguabuki and an exclusive rights free agent deal. That's five guys. You're, you're fine. Like add a couple bodies for training camp. You're good. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm ready to just. I, I know he's a you know uh, restricted free agent with you know Godwin. I, I wouldn't necessarily say like, all right, we have five running backs. I would say that they have four running backs. But I, I, I'm in I'm in total agreement that th- they have a guy who used to play safety playing running back. Like that's where we're at when he wasn't no, he, fumbling. He's a good special teams player. <laughs> like let's just let's just say what it is. But yeah, but I, you're not you're not going to dip on like Cordero Patterson or even like Leonard nope. Fournette out there. None nope. of that. No. Nope. 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 None Free of those guys. Running backs. You you're only going bargain bin shopping there because that because <laughs> you can get just as much value. So then shall. If if you even consider trading for Saquon Barkley, I am becoming a Packers fan. I'm just going to say that right now. Like Jesus Jamal Christ. Jamal. <laughs> A, a Jamal Williams signing, I think, is the extent to which you can do a running back free agent acquisition. Yes. yes. That's as aggressive as I want you to ever get. An, an I was going to say, wasn't like, since you were just saying, uh, s- saying um, to your point about Saquon Barkley, like Barkley missed a lot of the year and Evan uh, and Devontae Booker was just as productive as Barkley and the Giants cut Booker. 
So like, it's the same thing with the Cowboys. Like Tony Pollard is probably the better running back between him and Zeke. Yeah. They can't cut know. Zeke. Like how many times do I have to hit over people's head that the investing long-term in running backs outside of the draft outside of the, the it, it's just, it's, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. It has never worked out. Le'Veon Bell. Like how many times do we have to see these, these examples play out in modern NFL? So no, don't touch a single running back in free agency and I'll be happy. Means we're going to sign a running back. <laughs> I rather I rather go out and get Mitchell Trubisky than sign a running back. All right. Apparently, so he's going we to do get need. 10 we do need. Lions do need a backup. They do. I'm not not Mitchell Trubisky though. No. Mitchell Trubisky will be a starter in the NFL next season. You do realize this, right? But dude, the the rumors coming out of the the combine are like he's going to get ten million. Like he's someone is going to pay that much that's for Mitchell insane. Trubisky. That's insane. And yeah, everyone, and, yeah and I saw the GMs. Not, that's not and backup like, money. He's going to start. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's going to start. Like all the guys talking, and you're starting to see that that pump getting prime with guys talking about. It. It's like, oh, he's the kind of guy that would like you'd like to marry your daughter to. <laughs> Don't. That's bait. Because you that's, want that's me bait. to talk. Yeah. You want me to talk about the Trubisky tweet. You want to talk about um, the Trubisky tweet? I know. No, I don't. But the, the, I mean, to that point, like there are guys like James Winston out there. Like Jameis Winston isn't even receiving this kind of market. And I think that I would probably rather have him than Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. Can, can we listen backup quarterback sells in, in, in Detroit? What do you guys mm-hmm. want to do there? Is there, is there a solution that you'd be okay with or you just don't care? I know Ryan you're historically you're in the, I don't care crowd. Is, is that where you stand right now? I think it matters though. Like we've had, we've, okay. we've, we've kind of alluded to this discussion and, and we've talked about it uh, around it a little bit, but it's this idea of like what it does to inform Jared Goff about his status with this team. Right. Also too, like just, I mean, Jared Goff getting hurt this year. Like the, the thing is when you have a quarterback of the value of Jared Goff, we almost saw that game won by Tim Boyle that one time, but because Tim Boyle was Tim Boyle and was a little, um, unprotective of the football, the lions end up losing that game. So what I'm saying is a backup can still be like, that's still a viable option not to eventually take the guy's place in, in during a season. But if he does have to miss time, it's not too far of a drop off. Tim Boyle. I, he, he doesn't inspire any confidence really. He's a guy who, when he came into play, he, was the erratic passer that everybody said he was in training camp. Mm. If, if, if you're the lions, I don't know if, if they just run everything back, right. They bring back David Blau, they bring back Tim Boyle and they kick the can on quarterback They're I think they're putting a lot of pressure on 2023 quarterback, whoever that is. I think that's fair. I just, I can't shake the feeling that they really like Tim Boyle though. And Maybe, maybe, maybe it's going to take an off season for them to relook, to rewatch the film and be like, Oh no, Nope. Nope. That, <laughs> yeah. that, nope. There's, there's always but some guy, these guys really hold on to. Cause they're just, they're just hoping one day they just, it, something clicks. Well, with him, it's and the to that, talent, right. Like yeah, he's got, yeah. he's got a cannon and yeah. The, but oh, he's well, like, Hey, they like arm talent. All right. Settle down. Well, this here's, is, here's, here's where I'm, we're talking about. Willis. No, 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 no. But this is, this is, this is where I'm going to get caught you. And you know why? Because I'm sure plenty of people have ha- have fallen in love with this guy for many, many years. And the only knock I have on him is that he's UCLA. But if the Lions want to go kick the tires on anyone, Josh Rosen's out there. 
see what bones you can dig up for that. See if he's just been buried forever. No, there just isn't a guy on the market, right, Jeremy? That's going to push Jared Goff. Right. No, there, there is. I mean, I mean, if you, unless you wanted to spend, like, I, I think a guy like Marcus Mariota could. I think Bridgewater could. No, Mariota can't. I don't want the line. Like, what is the point in spending it on an on like now you have two bridge quarterbacks? Great. What have you accomplished with that? Yeah, Bridgewater, Tyrod Taylor. You're just you're gonna double down on having like. Yeah, no, I I, I get you, I get you on that. The Lions had their chance to get Teddy Bridgewater, and they, they did said no. <laughs> yes, I mean there there was there were also other factors in that trade, but yes, essentially. So like, yeah, I don't looking down the line like Chad Henney. Does that do we want to bring some Michigan back in here? He's still in the league. He's Apparently, still in the league with the Chiefs. Chad Henney, Blaine Gabbert. Mike Glennon is still kicking around. I mean, this is this is why I'm not I'm not like throwing a fit if they bring back Blau or Boyle or both. Like, who who's a better option here? Who who inspires any sort of like excitement in a way that isn't like maybe see okay, how the, you have another mediocre old guy. Maybe see how the USFL season goes. Maybe draft. Maybe pick up uh, Paxton Lynch once that league folds. Oh, well, hey, at least you admitted that the league's going to fold. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I've, I've thought about it more, and I feel like it's, it's the USFL is going to come in and clean up. We're almost at 30 minutes here, too. Do you want to take a break and then talk some defense on the other side? We were like, Jeremy's been warning us this is going to be a long one, and it is. Yeah, I mean, the only we didn't talk on the offensive line, not a huge There's need. not much there. There's the exclusive rights free agent uh, that you have to deal with. Um, uh, the uh, Evan Brown. Evan Brown team. is a restricted free agent. And I wrote kind of a long thing on that. Um, played fantastic at center after uh, um, what's his name went down. Um, but Frank, Frank Ragnow. Rag now. Sorry. He's Jesus, man. It, it, listen, when we go, when we go 30 minutes a segment, I, I, I fatigue. You, my adequacy <laughs> lingers on you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but All right. it, it's an interesting conundrum with him because how much the, like it, it's how, how much are you willing to spend on a backup center? for that peace of mind. Is it 2 million? Is it, is it 3 million or, or are you willing to, to kind of let that go and maybe let him find a starting job somewhere else? I think you let him go. I think you can find a backup, a backup center elsewhere, maybe in free agency, you let him go and then let him find a job. And then I don't know, like go see what like Nick Martin or Ben Jones is up to or something. Good luck. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break. We come back, we'll get to the defensive side of free agency and uh, continue with our mega-sized combine slash free agency uh, podcast here from Pride of Detroit. Welcome back, Pride of Detroit POD cast after a very interesting um, podcast with no name off the side and technical gremlins taken care of. It's why we do uh, podcasts both live and not quite live. Polished, the polished version. And you, get the, you get the polished, the, the somewhat polished version. <laughs> somewhat polished version. Definitely less polished going on this one, given that I've got to be back at work tonight. But anyway, um, 
Let's talk about, we talked a lot on offensive side of the ball. We talked running backs, receivers, tight ends. Let's look on free agency preview. Let's look to the defense now. Um, obviously, Jeremy, depth um, edge has been the big question looking at the draft. And I think a lot of people still expect the Lions to take an edge player there. But um, there's questions to be had about uh, edge for free agency as well. Are they going to go for depth? Will they make a big play? How many of these guys do we really expect back between the Aquaras, Trey Flowers? Is he gone? What What do you think is the biggest the biggest route the Lions could go in free agency looking at the edge? I think it's really just a kind of about figuring out what they want to do with their own um, with Trey Flowers, a guy who, who's going to count, you know, a lot against the cap and is, is still going to cost a lot of, against the cap, even if you get rid of him, but you do free up about 10 million if you let mm-hmm. him go. And it's about Charles Harris, right? Charles Harris. I, I don't think the lines are going to target anyone better than Charles Harris in free agency. So the question is, do you want Charles Harris back or do you want to kind of hand the reins over to, to Romeo Quar as he comes back from the injury, Julian Oquar, Austin Bryant, and then a draft pick because that alone, like those four guys, you can get along with that, but at the same time, you can never have enough, edge rushers you don't like to see some talented guys go the question with charles harris is just how sustainable was his performance last year because he did not look good for a few years of his career he comes to detroit looks pretty darn good not not elite tier pass rusher where you're paying him 15 million a year but a guy that's going to make himself a little bit of money and so are you willing to pay seven eight million dollars for a guy like that for another probably short contract or do you want to kind of go the the economical route, get a young guy in the draft and and kind of try to develop the other guys that are that are still here? And to me, that's it's not an easy conversation to have. I think a lot of people are just like, oh yeah, bring Charles Harris back. He was good. Well, he's gonna cost a lot more this year. And and you have to you have to balance the book somehow. And so you have to make concessions somewhere. And it might be Charles Harris. I I don't know what you guys think about his current value to the team. Um, but Edges are, are, are hard to find in free agency. And so you already have an advantage that you can talk with him now. He might give you a discount because you resuscitated his career. He might not. Um, but at the same time, you, you've got some bodies in there that, that could use some developing behind him. So I don't know. I, I think Charles Harris is really kind of the entire conversation at, at edge um, because I'm not that interested in, in spending money elsewhere. Yeah, I, I think we had <clears throat> we kind of had this discussion, Jeremy, where we're talking about like <clears throat> earlier top tier edge rushers. They just don't make their way to free agency. And the entire reason why Charles Harris ended up working out um, was because he came here on a one year prove it deal. And that's how the Lions ended up with Charles Harris. And, you know, unless the Lions go that route, like it seems like Charles Harris is the is the only option. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, like the Lions aren't. Like I said, there, there aren't a lot of good ones that hit free agency and, and the guys that, that some people like Chandler Jones, who always seems to be in free agency, Von Miller, probably not going to have a lot of interest in coming here at this late yeah. in his career. Not, not at this point for him. No. Well, there, maybe a guy that I see his name get tossed around a little bit is Derek Barnett from the Eagles. He mm-hmm. kind of fits the Charles Harris mold of being a guy who was a first round pick, didn't really you know, amount to, to a whole lot in Philadelphia. I think he had a little bit more success than Charles Harris, but that, yeah. that could be a guy I could see that maybe the Lions target and, and get it like a, a, a good, a good deal. Yeah. Uh, looking inside, let's look interior on the defensive line. I think we're just, um, well, first off, I think the, the big thing is um, 
It's everyone's favorite thing. Someone did it. Did it? Do we? We didn't mention not during any of the other the unnamed podcast. Um, someone got really mad at me the other day for um, suggesting that I was making fun of the four three versus three four type of sports talk radio caller. I think Ryan eventually dug up and found he was one of those sort of guys. But I just bring up that that little uh, anecdote to suggest to say that hey, the Lions are potentially moving to a 4-3 base. So that means fewer defensive tackles, maybe, Jeremy. And yeah. is that going to affect them in free agency? It might, and, and it might even, you know, I saw some people speculate that it might affect um, Trey Flowers' um, you know, status with the team. I, I don't think it does, and we talked a little bit about that on First Bite last week. But, yeah, I mean, again, again, you have to just kind of look internally before we start pointing at all the guys we want in free agency because they have a decision to make on Nick Williams. Um, they, they have probably, but, but I know, I know a lot of people are eager to get rid of him because he hasn't been playing particularly well. Some people have some off field stuff that they have issues with Nick Williams with. It's important to remember that dude has been crowned as a leader by coaches and players currently on this roster. They view him as a leader type in the locker room. And that doesn't mean nothing. Um, but is Michael Brockers capable of carrying that on his own? Possibly. Um, is, is someone like Aline McNeil or Levi Onzerike ready to take on a bigger role in the locker room? Possibly. They got a lot of guys coming back. John Penasini is under contract. Deshaun Cornell is under contract. Bruce Hector, Eric Banks. A lot of guys under contract. I think that's seven. So in terms of bodies, they don't need a ton. But how comfortable are you? bringing in Michael Brockers and Levi Onzerike as your two starters potentially in, in, in 2022 when neither of them played particularly well last year. It, it, it seems strange because neither of them played particularly well, but it didn't seem like they were the problem by the same token. You know what I mean? Like it seemed like the the problems of their defense, I think were mostly located on, on their second level. And when it came to their linebacker play, because I thought the lions did a fairly like decent job of putting together a patch a patchwork job at a defensive tackle. Like by no means do I think that they're going to go out and they're going to sign somebody like uh, Jerron Reed or Larry Ogunjobi. Like, like I, I don't think that they're going to go out and spend on a, on a high price defensive tackle to fix that problem. I can see them drafting one, but right. it doesn't seem like a position that they're going to pay a premium for. So no, right. <laughs> Um, let's look at linebacker. I think it's probably the biggest need right now, considering this seems to be the position that has vexed the lions for almost, almost 10 years. Uh, not, not quite uh, seven years, seven years or so. Like it's just lions haven't gotten their linebackers set. And, um, so what are your thoughts, Jeremy? Like I thought Anzalone played very well last year, although by his admission on, um, Instagram at the end of the season, no clue if he will be back with the team and the team also has to make a decision when it comes to Jalen Reeves, Maven. Yeah. Two, two unrestricted guys. I feel like Jalen Reeves, Maven has, has a much better shot of coming back. And, you know, even, even the way they, the Aaron Glenn talked about him, it almost, he almost sounded like he was coming back. So I would expect that resigning to happen in the next week. Um, we'll, we'll obviously see if, if that, how it shakes out and that, that helps a one and, and you got Derek Barnes in the waiting here, but there, there needs to be kind of an Alex Anzalone type, I think, amongst this group that can provide some veteran leadership, that can provide some solid play within a scheme. And that's why I'm not completely ruling out Anzalone coming back despite his cryptic Instagram messages. Um, but 
but there needs to be someone there that I think that, that that's a proven talent, unless you're, you're continuing to just go young, 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 young. And Devondre Campbell's the, the, the biggest name out there, but it, it sounds like the Packers are going to make a, a, a strong push to, to re-sign him, even though they're a cap-strack team. I don't know if there's anyone else that, that, that really gets me excited. I mean, you could, you could go and look at some, like Quan Alexander's got some Saints history, so, you know, there's a connection there. I don't know. Is, is there someone, Brian, that, that you look at this free agency list and like that's maybe the guy that they can add to provide some veteran presence? I, I think Devondre Campbell is that guy, right? And like if you take him off the market, then you're starting to look at like a lot of guys like that. I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily the guy that they're in the market for, like a Hassan Reddick, um, you know, perhaps like an Anthony Hitchens. You know, I, I don't know if any of those guys necessarily fit the mold. Anyone? Yeah, <laughs> not Anthony Hitchens, right? He, he is not welcome in yeah. Detroit. <laughs> For those who um, don't know, he I, was I, he was on involved with the play in 2014, the Cowboys. I don't need to say anything else. Yeah, S- surprisingly, he's not even 30 yet. So, but that seems like it was forever ago. <laughs> it was forever ago. Um, it, was, yeah. it was seven years ago. Yeah. My goodness. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I, I just don't, I mean, again, this seems like a position that they're going to address through the draft and it seems like they have an, an in-house option, but um, you know, it seems like we're slowly ramping up to where we expect the lions to make a splash and, and spend big on free agency. And that's their defensive backs. Not to disrupt this podcast any further, I think I have to hand the reins over to Jeremy, though, because we've gone so long that um, I have a delivery that's being made. So, Jeremy, why don't we talk about cornerbacks and safeties here? And I'll just uh, I'll be right back in like a couple minutes. But how, how big of a need really is corner for what we're you know what we're dealing with now? Obviously, a lot's going to ride on Jeff Okuda coming back and how he looks coming out of you know. Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for rehab. Sure. And, uh, just what he's going to look like, but I think a lot's going to ride on that. And if it's going to, I have plenty of fans have already written off Okuda really hard. And I just don't think that's the case yet, but at the same time there is, you do have to kind of do your due diligence and get the depth you need. And there's questions at the, at, for the guys at the rest of the position too. There, there's only questions in my opinion, All there's, there's, there's no real answers right now to, to who the, the team's future starting cornerbacks are right. Uh, Amani Oruare is the one you can pencil in right now as a starter this year, but he's also on the last year of his contract. So we don't know what the Lions' plans are for him long-term. If Atu Melifanu is probably the one guy that you can circle in, he might be one of those cornerbacks for the future because they just spent a third round pick on him. But at the same time, he played what? six games last year or something like that. Not a ton. We don't know who he is as, as a, a potential starter right now. And then obviously Jeff Okuda is a complete unknown. We don't know if, if he's going to get back from his Achilles and be the same person that, that the Lions thought they drafted. It's looking pretty good right now, right, Ryan? Like the rehab looks good. He, he's changing directions. He's running full speed. In, in terms of mentality, that guy is going to attack rehab as, as hard as anyone you'll possibly see. That doesn't mean it's going to work. That doesn't mean he's going to get all of his speed back. That doesn't mean he's going to get all of his explosion back. And and skeptics will say, like, even if he was the guy that he was before the Achilles injuries, well, that wasn't good enough. He needs to be a lot better. Uh, and so, and, and fair argument, like, 
I, I had a feeling he was going to have a much better year than a lot of people were anticipating. I obviously didn't get proven right or wrong, but um, yeah, I, I don't know where, where do you fall on what the line should do here? Because I mean, even, even AJ Parker, like great story for 2021, but is he your future nickel? Yeah. Th- this is another question where I, I don't think that you can do this whole thing where it's like, Oh, they'll figure it out in the draft. Cause like we've, said that enough like you know like linebacker seems to be an option and and wide receiver and like there's only so many needs that they can address and cornerback is one that like you've kind of like like you've gone into I think it is really dependent upon the health of a lot of players like Jerry Jacobs and Jeff Okuda and 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 all of these kind of unknowns and question marks I can see the Lions spending at cornerback to to plug some holes like I, I think that sure. they could go out and they could do some targeted spending. I don't. I don't think that they're going to go out and pay you know through the nose for you know somebody like Razul Douglas or um, you know somebody who's <clears throat> excuse me somebody who seems like they're not going to get paid is uh, <clears throat> is J C Jackson from New England. Uh, there's another player who's going to be like a top tier guy, not, not and even a guy who. Him. Right. No. And then and I it's happened before, right? Like, you know, paying for a, 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 a former Patriots cornerback. If you look as far going back to like Malcolm Butler and, and, you know, situations and scenarios like that playing itself out. Um, even a guy like Carlton Davis from Tampa Bay seems like if, you know, the Buccaneers have a bunch of decisions to make, can they, can they pay for a top tier guy like that? Do you think that that's on the table for the lions? Like, do the you think that they can pay quality? for a top tier yeah. guy? Or, 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 or do you think that they would come back and kind of do this like plug and play? Hey, we'll try to find a guy who fills a need who isn't going to be very expensive. I, I mean, I could, I, I don't think they're going to splash at corner. I don't think it makes sense. I think, I think part of them is going to want to say, let's figure out what we got first before we start replacing everybody, because there's a chance they do have their starters in the future. And, and, and even some depth, like if Amani balls out again in, in 2022, extension time boom there's one starter jeff okuda somehow rehabs we we did this last year though right right yes but but (laughs) they they didn't get any answers right like who did they get an answer about last year not not really anybody is jerry jacobs a flash in the pan guy or is he a legitimate starting option or is he if anything last year just made more questions because of okuda's injury right and and, we all thought was was injury all these guys all these guys got injured we didn't get any answers to them and so part of me thinks like, yeah, they might kick the can down the road here, but at the same time to say, like, they can't just go into 2022 saying, well, let's just run with these guys. I think there needs to be, I think they kind of need to treat it like they did last year, which is like, let's get some stop gaps for depth, but let's not, let's not break the bank or even, you know, spend a lot of draft resources on this position because like then, then we're overloaded and then we're going to have to trade someone away. And not that that's a bad problem to have having too much talent as a position is, is great, but I, I, I think they need more, but you can, you can overspend for that position too. You can for sure. Like, Um, like you can, you can tie up too much by getting a bunch of guys that you don't really need. Right. But overall, I think, I think the lines are going to mostly stand pat. If, if a good corner falls to them in the draft, I'm not, I'm not discounting them potentially doing that, but I, I think, I think, the more, the more frugal route is, is probably the smarter route just because they have a lot of potential talent on the roster. And, and I think they need to figure out if, if any of that's going to pan out. Yeah. Last position we have to talk about is safety. And 
Once again, we'll put Kyle Hamilton to the side. Uh, Lions need to decide what they're going to do with Tracy Walker. After that, um, what are the candidates out there? Do you want to see a Quandre? I know I want to see a Quandre Diggs reunion, but again, I don't know if they're going to bust the bank for for safeties either, Jeremy. Yeah, well, I mean, first we need to underline how just big of a need this is. They have two safeties under contract right now. Mm-hmm. Will Harris, who's on the final year of his deal, and Brady Breeze, who I'm sure many of you forgot was on the team. Um, <laughs> Great late, name, though. Great fantastic name. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the first question is, is Tracy Walker. I still think it makes a ton of sense to bring him back. I feel like there, there's a lot of mutual interest. I'm, I'm not entirely sure why we haven't heard a ton about it, other than the fact that Really, we haven't heard a lot about any re-signings across the NFL um, this offseason, at least not too many. So I, I still think there's a chance that happens. But, I mean, do, do we have to have the Marcus Williams conversation yet again? Like, makes a ton of sense there, too. Like, if, if they can get they'll, – they'll have to do some cap maneuvering, but Walker and Marcus Williams, and then suddenly we're not even having conversations about drafting a safety uh, in the draft, maybe at all. Right. And I think that that's, that's just a way that they can address a need. And I think that they can justify spending, uh, you know, it, it probably telegraphed that the Cincinnati Bengals decided to franchise tag Jesse Bates. Yeah. And that takes one guy off the, um, you know, takes one guy off the list that the lions could potentially pursue, but there are names, you know, there's Marcus Williams, there's Tyron Matthew, there's you know, Marcus May, there's Quandary Diggs. There's a lot of guys out there that are going to drum up interest and that the lions would probably be interested in. Um, and they, I think that this is where they can probably make their split. Cause I think it's an important enough position for them on defense and they have a, mm-hmm. a dire enough need. Cause like yeah. you say, I mean, they're not going to roll into the, into next season with, with Will Harris um, as their starting safety. No, they really can't. <laughs> uh <laughs> I um, what's up? <laughs> I was just waiting for you to swallow. No, no, um, I was I was gonna make I was gonna make another name in there. Of like, well, I, I also wanted to talk about Quandre Diggs because I don't think it's a realistic out. I it'd be fun, and everyone guys just don't come back it. to their old teams like that, especially after the kind of breakup that he had with the Lions. And, and, and I know that was another like, that was another coaching staff, but still, yeah. To me, I just I don't think he's gonna leave Seattle. I think he really loves Seattle. I think he loves the environment mm. there. I think he loves the people there. I think he loves. The, the city, not that he doesn't love Detroit. He, he professes his love for the city of Detroit and its fans plenty of times, but yeah, I, I think there's a lot of mutual interest there. It's, it's, it's also devils, you know, like you, if you like where you're at right now with the coaching staff, just don't mess with it. Cause their guy, it's just a risk wherever you go and be another risk. I was going to say like, I don't know what the jets are going to do with LaMarcus Joyner. That might be a nice, like he's over 30. It'd be a stopgap, but I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like this is a position that needs both starters, but also depth to it too. Cause we saw how quickly like that corner, just how much your depth get, gets ravaged. They've, they've really struggled in the past years to find that kind of veteran guy who can be a steady piece. Right. Um, they tried with the, what's the Patriots guy's name that, that lasted about a year drawn a blank. Um, but, but this year it was, oh my gosh. It, was Dean, it was Dean Marlowe. They traded for him and, and he's a great guy. One of, one of, the 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 Duran Harmon, thank you, chat. Um, great guy, great leader. Not not that impressive on the field. Dean Marlowe didn't do much to impress people this year. 
it, it's almost like when the Lions were, were really struggling to find that veteran power running back. They just they they had to go through three or four before and they found the right one in someone like Jamal Williams. They're they're doing the same thing at safety now. And and yeah, I think if they're gonna sign someone that isn't the young splash signing, it, it might be kind of that veteran old guy that they can bring some leadership that can bring some talent that that brings knowledge of the scheme, that sort of thing. I don't know if that guy's out there in this free agency, but that's stylistically, I think a signing that would make sense. What are they going to do at special teams? I think they're just going to bring everybody back. (laughs) Jack Fox is an exclusive right free agent, easy re-signing Riley Patterson, I think played well enough that you can bring him back, even though Cybert is still under contract. This, this is all fine. Yeah, it's all fine. Like your, maybe, maybe you look at certain guys for special teams roles for like Gunner. I feel like they already have several of those guys on roster right now, just because of a lot of the guys they took risks on or chances on and just are keeping around really. Yeah. The, I, I just wrote about one of those guys, CJ Moore, uh, safety mm-hmm. free yeah. agent, um, technically a restricted free agent. I don't know if you want to spend, a, 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 an original round tender worth 2.4 million on a guy like CJ Moore, but he is a guy that's been, you know, over the past three years, one of their biggest special teamer um, working on all four units and, and was, you know, top 20 in terms of all the special teamers in the NFL, which they're like 200 of them. So yeah, very, very talented guy at that position. It'll be interesting to see how much this uh, regime really values special teams. Cause that's not something that we know yet. We, we don't know this regime well enough to know if they're going to spend three, 4 million on guys who mo- are primarily special teamers, but are really good at it. I mean, um, I think they do value them. It's just a matter of how much that value turns into money. Right. Cause we've seen them run plenty of trick plays that other sure. teams would not do. So you've got to have good special teamers to really do that. It's just, where's like, how, how replaceable is that? And if it's yeah. not replaceable, that's when you spend money. Right. Exactly. I think that's it. I'm ready for we next week. I'm excited. It, it's going to come so much faster than, than you expect because I mean, we're recording this on a Monday night we're, and, and free agency starts Monday night at Monday, I should say afternoon, noon. We are less than a week away from this. And then, you, you know, rumors are going to start right away. Cause the, the dirty little secret that's not even a secret is like these discussions have already started. Oh, they've already been going. There's already, even before the tampering period, there's already handshakes. The tampering period is kind of a joke in that regard. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, by the way, else? when you were searching for that, uh, when you were searching for that special teams player or that that safety, Jeremy. Yeah, the veteran uh, safety. I was, I was totally thinking of Johnson Batamosi. <laughs> That's oh, a good God, one too. I was so far back. Ron Harmon. John, Johnson Batamosi, uh, Hedebo. You can throw into that conversation as well. James ahead of Yeah. Oh man. I don't like this game. Free agency, baby. Let's go. <laughs> well, for myself, for Jeremy Reisman, for Ryan Matthews, we've done a lot of uh, gremlin hunting today. And as Chad is pointing out, I'm like housing my sandwich here at the same time. Cause I've got to work tonight, but um, this was fun. Hope you enjoyed our double stuffed, double sized uh, podcast. And we will see you star side. Oh.